Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2014 and beyond. As always, I am Ryan, and sitting both to my left is... Brad. James. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Brad, how'd your filming go this week? Uh, we, we completed it. Um, I haven't put it together, but... Uh, you finished the whole film? No. No, oh. just one more scene. You completed it's, this wow. week? No, no. <laughs> this there's, week There's a long done. way to go yet. Long way to go. I did see someone eating a bird on pictures you were posting. Thank you. Yes. Spoilers. Spoilers. I, I said I said a bird. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Not all the bird. birds. Yeah. Yeah, just a bird. Hopefully it's funny. <laughs> but the annoying thing is like I get home nowadays and I just I put my head on a pillow and I just pass out. Like mm-hmm. I can't get any work done after work. It's, it's I, yeah. It sucks. I hear you. Guess what, guys? What? <clears throat> we didn't get any uh, real fan mail, but I do have some cool announcements to to make. Awesome. Um, when we were at uh, Telluride Horror Show, Academy Award winning special effects guy Phil Tippett had he showcased a thing that he's been working on for a long time called Mad, Mad God, God yeah. Chapter One, and he funded that through kick, uh, Kickstarter. And um, and he said he's going to put the other chapters on there to help him fund that because, unfortunately, in Hollywood right now, there's not a lot of money in making stop motion and things like that. It's all CGI. Right. Well, if you haven't seen Mad God, you definitely should. It's a really cool little surreal kind of weird – I don't know how to describe it. Um, but he also said he doesn't know how to describe it because it's purposely open for interpretation. Yeah. Just know there's a lot of cool, weird monsters in it that are stop motion and blood and guts. Beautiful. I would describe it as beautiful. Yeah, gothic gothic like. beautiful is a good way to describe it. Um, <clears throat> but right now, you can go on Kickstarter and chip in for Chapter 2. Um, and if you could do that, that would be awesome. Because What's their goal? Um, you know, I don't know what the goal is. Oh, okay. Um, but it just launched a couple days ago. Um, and so if you donate money to that, uh, or uh, is it called donating the money? Or are you You're contributing? I mean, contributing, yeah, it's, contributing. Yeah. It's uh, donating. You, if you contribute money to that, you get a bunch of uh, cool little things. Um, and you should definitely do it. It's really cool to see. And yeah. I, I'd like to see him continue it. I don't know how many chapters he said he wanted to do. I think three or four. Um, but also, too, if you want a little more insight from the man himself, he was on this show. And you can listen to that show at realnerdspodcast.com. Click on the interview section and find the Phil Tippett interview. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should just definitely check it out. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure on the Kickstarter, I should have watched it before we got on, but I'm sure he has some sort of preview, f- either the whole thing of Chapter 1 or some preview of Chapter 2 that uh, you can check out. But it's old school stop motion, kind of like Jason and the Argonauts kind of stop totally. motion. Yeah, yeah. So you should definitely do that. And our friends at Denver Comic-Con... Also have a thing for us. 
Um, I have it. I'm just reading. I just want to make sure I say it right. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know about Denver Comic Con is not only do if you buy a ticket to Denver Comic Con, you're supporting Comic Book Classroom, um, which helps promote um, basically literacy to children through comic books. Right. Um, but they're also looking for ways to expand it, and they've done this in the past. But this year, they're really expanding the real heroes of cinema. Um, and it, it, here's basically what I, I want to say. I'm going to read this little thing to highlight it. Denver Comic Con is committed to highlighting education programming. And since television and film is such a huge part of our pop culture, it's only natural that we're offering so many hours about the theory and practice of those mediums. This is uh, from uh, – we met Bruce. He's basically in charge of the programming on the uh, film side. Yeah. Um, and he's saying there are already film festivals where aspiring artists can screen their work. And you can do that at DCC, too. But we're offering something more. Here you can experience the diverse perspectives of some of the best TV and filmmakers in the country. Outside of film school, there's not much else like it between the coasts. So basically what they're doing is not only they're showcasing work from people, um, which are the real nerds going to be part of that, Brad? I don't know. No one's gotten back to me about uh, that. We did submit our, uh, our pod show to that. So hopefully we'll be a part of it as well. But what they're doing is they're trying to bring not only... You know, you're getting celebrities about film and TV, but they want to let people know how people got into it. And, I mean, they have uh, some really uh, cool people in here. Like One of my favorites is Greg Wiseman. He's the executive producer of the Star Wars franchise, Rebels. That's the new animated one. And also, he did one of my favorite Spider-Man cartoons called The Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, and and if you're really, really into the cult cartoons, he did Gargoyles. That was like his... Oh. his his big break. I loved Gargoyles. They also have uh, Weta so there, which is, if you don't know who Weta is, remember they're uh, a five-time Academy Award winning visual effects team from such films as Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. King Kong, Makeup Professionals. They also have a second unit director for, or a second assistant director from The Walking Dead. Oh, cool. And his name is Vincent Gonzalez, and he actually finished as a second unit director on Transformers, the new movie. So it'll be a good time to sit down and see what a second unit director does. And a lot of people don't know the second unit director are usually the guys who direct the action and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like the, um, the truck chase from, from Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, when he, when he slides underneath the car, that's all second unit. Um, and one of those really cool, there's a really great story that, that Spielberg tells about like mm-hmm. how he, that was one of those moments he knew the movie was going to work when his second unit director brought him like one of the most impressive action scenes we've ever had. Exactly. And what's really cool too is, um, here's a little, Last little part of it. Um, it's more than a film festival. Remember, they're going to have panels about introducing films to mediums and th- uh, to people and how they get into it. But they're also accepting film submissions. So if you want to get in on it, you have to submit your stuff online by May 1st. So that's in a couple weeks. Um, and just so you know, filmmakers are expected to partic- participate in a Q&A afterwards. So uh, I'll be up there and in, uh, for the real nerds, if we get it, <laughs> um, unless Brad wants to talk. And well, they asked me to talk about YouTube distribution, but uh, I don't know how much I know about that. <laughs> like more of a production side person. But yeah, you um, never know. You might see, you might see Brad up there. And they're also looking for more family friendly stuff. That's the only thing I can think of that they wouldn't get back to us on. Yeah, yeah. More uh, stuff is not family friendly. Um, <laughs> we have censored versions. <laughs> we do, but we still say shit and stuff in them. Yeah, you really just edit out the fucks. Yeah, it's PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, and uh, before we go to, I, I wanted to, I'll give you the breakdown of what Comic Book Classroom is. And when you buy tickets that are going very fast to Denver Comic Con, Comic Book Classroom is a charitable organization that educates through alternative approaches to literacy, learning, and character development. CBC creates programs for under under underdeserved students, schools, and underserved. Underserved, <laughs> yeah. God, maybe I should hold this up instead of trying to read it like this. Um, schools and communities via comic books, graphic novels, and related media. Um, yeah, CBC is the organizer and producer for Denver Comic Con. So yeah, they're awesome. Make sure that you get it, and you're helping out a lot of children to help them read. That's it, guys. Those are some announcements from our friends, Phil Tippett, Academy Award winner, and um, Denver Comic-Con. I love those people. Every week, we go see a new movie, if you're wondering what you're listening to us for, <laughs> and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we went and saw Transcendence, and if you're wondering, like, huh, should I upload myself to see that movie? You're going to oh. have to stay tuned until the end of the show, and we will tell you if you should see it or not. Or you can just fast forward or get on, fast. on the episode. You can do that, too, don't, but no, 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 don't do we're going to wait till the end. Yeah. We're going to wait till the end. Um, we also talk about movies we've watched and comic books and movie news. Uh, we just like to have fun entertainment, entertainment podcasting at its best. I think, if I should be so humbled, humble. Yep, your bowl. <laughs> Anyways, That's if you're one. wondering what the number one movie at the box office was next week, and you don't have the internet, I'm going to tell you this Here's week, next week, last, last week. week. I already know what it's going to be this week. It's the same movie that was last week. <laughs> this is the box office stats. Probably. Um, Captain America, number one again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not surprising. It's getting really good reviews, and people seem to really enjoy it. Um, it's a different take on the superhero genre. Uh, how much is it? $48 million? Uh, 41. 41 million. Yeah. 41. And the, uh, the movie we saw, The Grand Budapest, I think it's just holding steady. Because it's not really, you know, a huge expansion. Yeah, yeah. So Though um, we would have talked about this in news, but we might as well talk about it now. It broke uh, the master. What? It broke the master's gross. No, the like no. highest grossing. Oh, that's that's not what I was going to talk about. But what do you? In limited release. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. I knew that it is now the highest grossing Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, that's what I was. That was just say. a beautiful goal by the Avalanche. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but Wes Anderson is interesting because he's such, a, I think, a popular filmmaker. But it seems like his movies don't catch on until later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh, Grand Budapest has made, was it 40-something million? Oh, that's his highest grossing movie. Yeah. Well, it's first, when, like, when it's first uh, in limited release, when it was first, like, I think it was, like, the highest grossing for, like, four theaters or something. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was, like, 100,000 yeah. a screen. That's So people are hungry for that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Moonrise Kingdom before that w- did really well, but stuff like um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, well, that had a but like four thousand theater release. Yeah, and yeah, it didn't. But still, you know, it's, he's one of those filmmakers that everybody I think knows. I would say. Yeah, but not everybody maybe appreciates mm-hmm. more seasoned uh, theaters necessarily. Yeah, um, this one's done really well uh, in the in like worldwide because mm-hmm. um, this is the first time he's ever broken a hundred million dollars mm. as well. Um, I can so, see it has more yeah. universal appeal because I mean, also anytime you start incorporating other countries in, uh, the other countries kind of get behind it. Yeah, that's why there's some movies that have China in it because China's such a growing market. Like every action movie now. Yeah, that's that's the next market for Real Nerds podcast to China penetrate is China. We should just, just like start doing Chinese commercials. 
We should. Or like, do we? We could do some fake Chinese commercials on YouTube, and then see if they would they'll hire us. And we should just have Stephen Colbert's Ching Chong Ding Dong come in. (laughs) (laughs) That's racist, Ryan. Come on, it really is. Hashtag cancel real nerds. Yeah, (laughs) it's so funny that Stephen Colbert would be like cancel Colbert because of Ching Chong Ding Dong. And then he He, he was a character like ten years ago. I wonder why people just noticed now. And now he's taking over for Letterman. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, because he should because he's awesome. Yeah, Um, I'd probably watch Late Night. This is the stuff that's coming out next week on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. This is a lame week. Uh, except much. for there's one some, release. There's a couple really cool things there's in there. There's one release that I'm really things. looking forward to. It's already pre-ordered. Uh, so apparently the biggest one is Tyler Perry's Medea's... Tyler Perry's Medea's Neighbors from Hell. Isn't um, that one of his like plays or something? Yeah, it is. Can you um, imagine watching a play on DVD? It's got to be not a fun experience. It depends on how it's shot. That, I've seen the um, I've seen like a television version of uh, Death of a Salesman that was mm-hmm. like a play that they shot. It was it was all right. You know, it had Dustin Hoffman in it, so it was really cool. Well, yeah. Um, but you know, like your your the set design and stuff is not quite as good. You know, you don't have a lot of like cinematography. You know, in but it. to the experience, I think of theater is going to the theater. Oh, I I totally agree. You know, but it's also one of those things where like there's no other. There's no other way for you to see Dustin Hoffman play <laughs> Death of the Salesman. But like, there's many ways to see Tyler Perry's Medea. Uh, yeah, Clerks yeah. is almost a play. It was. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The following yeah. is a last scene from Clerks. <laughs> uh, there's also apparently, I don't know that I've ever heard of this movie, but it's high up on the list. Um, there's a Blu-ray release of Sorcerer starring Roy Scheider. Have you ever heard of this movie? Uh, yeah, it's an old 1970s movie. It's really, who's the director of it? Oh. I want to say the guy who did... Uh, the Exorcist? Mm-hmm. William Friedkin. Is that right? It's also a Blu-ray yeah. book. That's yeah. what I was going to say. That's what, The only reason I bring it up is it's like a, a really nice-looking Blu-ray version. So Roy Scheider is such a cool actor. Totally. Um, uh, it's a movie that I, I want to check out. I don't know if it's one I'll get right away. but Yeah. Um, they're also releasing Big Bad, Wo- Big Bad Wolves this week, which is a, a little indie movie that we actually we didn't see, but it was at uh, Mile High Horror it's Show. It's actually at a couple festivals um, we went to. Uh, yeah, because it was at Mile High, and I think it was at Telluride as well. I think it was as well, and it, it had a, a lot Israeli of buzz movie. around it. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think, um, uh, oh shoot, um, oh my goodness, uh, shit, um, the dude who directed Pulp Fiction. I'm the worst Quentin person. Tarantino? Quentin Tarantino. No, no, don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> He's almost got it. Tar- Tarantino put it on his top ten oh, for last year, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, it's got a lot of buzz around it. People should check it out. Um, there's also um, a couple Spider-Man releases this weekend. There are. I wonder if they're taking advantage of something. <laughs> uh, they're releasing the entire Spectacular Spider-Man run on That's Blue one Ray. I pre-ordered. I can't wait. Yeah. Because the the cartoon is actually filmed in widescreen, um, and the <laughs> DVDs didn't put them... <laughs> the cartoon is filmed. Cartoons are filmed. They're, they're put to film. They used to be. They used to be put to film. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You know they don't <laughs> use reels in movies anymore. You know they don't like they don't even use reels. Like why would you name? Yourself okay, so a reel? how would you say it was produced in widescreen? Yeah, yeah. printed, you, whatever. Um, so Drawn. yeah, so it's cool that they're putting it out on Blu-ray. Was, was the DVD full screen? Yeah, you and the DVD was um, the second season because you borrowed them from me. Remember the second yeah. season was like three cartoons. Yeah. Um, I don't have any more special features on it, but it'll be cool to see it in high def and yeah. not be separated and things like that. Yeah. Uh, the one I'm probably going to pre-order is actually the, the entire Spider-Man trilogy is getting a release like in what looks like a cool kind of box set. Yeah, um, it's really cool. It's Spider-Man's it's, eye with a spider in it. 
Yeah. Um, and it's only like $30, which is less than what the, the Blu-rays individually have cost. Yeah, but Brad put brought up a good point. They don't have the slip covers with the one, two, and three on it anymore, <laughs> so I don't know how you're going to figure out which. <laughs> it's so stupid. If I have those ones because I wanted to get the up, the full versions. I had I actually got the Spider-Man trilogy on Blu-ray when Blu-rays like first came out. Yeah, right. Uh, when Spider-Man 3 was first released. I think it was one of those ones where like they put them all into a pack. Exactly. Together, and yeah. Spider-Man 1 and 2 didn't have any bonus features. It was just the movie. Ew. So when Amazing came out, they re-released them with all the bonus features carried over from all the versions. It's like, cool. So I bought them, but they have these dumb, like, number the, one. Yeah, they're the, the ugliest. And the Blu-ray. characters' faces in yeah. half. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, then it says Spider-Man 2, and then it has a number two below it. Like you're it's really poorly dumb. photoshopped, and the colors are really bad. And anyway, yeah. Anyways, uh, and the very last thing is they there is a uh, 25th anniversary edition of Chances Are getting released <laughs> on Blu-ray. It's really cheap too. It's yeah. something like, it's like ten six, bucks, sixteen bucks on yeah. Amazon. Uh, yeah. um, was that one of the ones that like was hard for you to find back in the day when you were um, going through all? His it movies? is because if you see my collection, it's actually in a two pack with um, only you. Oh. Um, there's a lot of those mid. Uh, early 90s yeah, Robert Downey Jr. where they yeah. just package together yeah um, I, I don't know they don't have Amazon doesn't list any special features on it so I don't know if it's just repackaged as nothing yeah I don't um, know but how chances I'm... are it's actually a cute movie with him it's kind of uh, a follow up to his he did Heart and Soul which I really liked where he's kind of being inhabited by all these ghosts and in chances are he's um, another like he's reincarnated as this guy who was killed on his when he found out his wife was pregnant and he comes back in Robert Downey Jr. and uh, tries to meet his daughter and things. It's, it's a really interesting movie. Hmm. And there's a Rod Stewart song in it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's all you need. Yep. Cool. That's it. James, you have a comic book this week? I do. Cool. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. What you got? Uh, Ryan, you like, you like superhero books, right? I do. Have you ever read Invincible? I have. Yeah, yeah. Do you like it? It's all right. I I enjoyed it. It's it's one of those ones where, um, so I- Invincible is is uh, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Ryan Otley, and I I really like the art. I mean, it's oh, yeah, a, his art's really good. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Um, and what's neat about him is like he's deceptively um, you look at his art at first glance and you think it's kind of cartoonish and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like when he gets, uh, no, you think it's sort of childish almost, you know, where like everything feels very safe. And then all of a sudden when he starts throwing gore in there, like his, his books can be really messy and you know, like his art's really cool. Um, but basically it's about this boy who his dad is a, is like a, a Superman type character. Um, his mom doesn't have superpowers at all, but he's, you know, going to high school and, um, it feels at first very traditional. Uh, but what's really cool about this book, and I'm not going to spoil what the, what the twist is. Cause that, I mean, it's been out for years, but, um, there is this rule that you sort of don't spoil Kirkman books. Um, well, but, this one's a big one though. Yeah. And it's really important. It is. It totally is. Cause it defines who he is as a character. Right. I'll, I will say that. Yeah, totally. Um, but what I really actually love about Invincible is that it, it feels very much like Kirkman's kind of playground mm-hmm. um, where there's a lot of like fun meta little jokes about comics and especially about superhero comics. Because while at, on one hand he is writing this um, really fun and accessible superhero story where there's no canon, you, you know, it's not like jumping into X-Men or something like that where there's all these characters to keep track of. Like it's one continuous story. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, he'll sort of play on a lot of the tropes and the things that you see in in superhero comics a lot. Um, he'll make fun of just comics in general. There's uh, one that pops out to my head in my head that uh, 
um, there's a panel where the two characters are talking about comics and they're talking about how much they hate when cheap comics reuse the same art. And at the same time, during that conversation, Ryan Otley is reusing the same panels <laughs> between the two characters. Um, and it's just, you know, it's fun stuff like that where you know that he's he's just really enjoying what he's writing and, and what he's doing with those characters. Um, and it's not, they're, they're nice little um, image trades, so they're already pretty cheap. And if you go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, you get them for 20% off. You can. Um, I I do have a obscure Spider-Man team up with Invincible. Oh yeah, with Kirkman and Otley drawn it. Yeah, it's it's oh, a pr- cool. it's a funny it's a funny little issue. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember, but I have it's a really one-off, and I don't know if a lot of people know it exists, um, but it's pretty funny. That's cool. I'd have to bust it out again to remember exactly what it's about. It's a good book. People should check it out. Uh, I'll put one in too because I'm next week. Mine's going to be the series finale of Soup Superior, so I can't wait to talk about <laughs> it. But I, I I mentioned this book before. Um, it's called The Afterlife with Archie. Yeah, and issue four freaking moved me. Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting because I don't know a lot about Archie comics, but there's such part of Americana that I know of Archie. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I'm the same way. Um, so this book opens with um, the cliffhanger from issue three is Archie is about to be attacked by Jughead's dog, uh, Hot Dog, which is a carrier of this rabies disease that turns people into zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it starts right away. Uh, it doesn't start right away from the cliffhanger. It takes back, and Archie's a little boy, and his dad's with him, and he says, okay, Archie, you know, if you get a dog, you have to feed it. If it gets sick, you have to take care of it. And it's like three pages of Archie pitch- picking out his dog um, that he, he's going to get named Vegas, and then after the intro, it cuts right back to present time where his dog bursts out of the window and uh, he gets between Archie and the zombie dog. And uh, they do this shot where the dog has, has thoughts and it looks back at Archie and it says, Master Archie, run. And then there's a fight between the dog and the zombie dog. And Archie goes in his house and he's looking for his parents and he finds his mom and his dad's turned into a zombie. So Archie has to kick his dad down the stairs and he beats him over the head to death with a with a bat. And it's... You see, what's so great about it is you see um, Archie go from this teen kind of kid to being a protector of all these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really a f- great book. And I won't say what happens to his dog, but then there's another heartbreaking moments. Uh, I guess you already know. Like, heartbreaking yeah. moments as the, the, the book goes on. And it, it was a really great book. Um, just because I love seeing how Archie ha- has grown in this little system and it it tugs on your heartstring anybody who's had a dog yeah and you see what they do it's it's a great book so i can't wait till issue five hits the stands that's cool hey we watched shit this week so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching brad what shit did you watch this week you sure you want to go there it's, it's long it's a mine's, long, mine, mine's long too that's, that's what, what she, she said, said. I bet mine's than yours I'm sure it is. All right, let's pull out our list and see who has the biggest list. Uh, has this? Is this long enough for you? No, mine's longer. For <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, so the first thing I watched was um, because I heard on the, uh, what's the podcast? How Did This Get Made? They were talking about No Holds Barred, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan movie from like 1987, I think. Oh, man. And uh, I think we were talking about this. Weren't we talking about this? Not like on the podcast. I think you and I were just yeah, for we were fun. Talking yeah, about I actually watched it a few weeks ago, but I forgot to mention mm-hmm. it on the last episode. But um, and it's in the podcast they get 
they spend like a whole hour just talking about the first 10 minutes <laughs> of how ridiculous this movie is, and it's pretty retarded. I refresh the listeners. Uh, you talked to me about it last week, but what's the story behind um, No Holds Bar again? So Hulk Hogan is, I forget his full name, but his stage Hogan. name is Rip something <laughs> uh, in the Rip movie. Tied. Yeah, something like that. And he is like the national wrestling champion, and there's this network that wants to get the ratings that wrestling is getting. So they try to court Rip into joining a a new uh, program based on wrestling that they're developing. And I forget what it's called, but it's, it's really like, like tame. It's called like WWX. No, it's just like (laughs) King of the fighters or like brawl, (laughs) like, yeah, best brawlers or something. It's (laughs) really uninspired. And then uh, he rejects it because he's really loyal. And then uh, the network guys stumble on to this other guy that they find in like a, a dive bar that, where they do wrestling. Um, but, and there's a midget in a cage that hangs in the ceiling. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Nothing sells a movie like a midget in a cage. You know that guy in The Dark Knight um, who is on one of the criminals on the ship yeah. who gets the d- detonation device and then throws it away? Mm-hmm. He's that guy. He's the other fighter. Yeah. Um, that they get on their side, and um, it was so lame. I kind of stopped paying attention <laughs> <laughs> about after that. Were you able to find this on Netflix, or you? It's on Netflix. It? Oh, I said yeah. you own the DVD. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't own this to you, try it out. You, oh, you went like if you found it for like three bucks, you want to just pick it up? No, and, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I that's what I rely on Netflix for is to test out stuff for myself. <laughs> um, and Netflix didn't have another movie called Enemies Closer, so. I luckily my parents wanted to watch it, so they DirecTV mm-hmm. downloaded it, and that's the movie where Jean Claude Van Damme is a, uh, you know, he's got, you might have seen the previews where he's got like the crazy hair, yeah, um, and he's wearing the Canadian Mountie uniform. That's right. Yeah, uh, this movie is about uh, a park ranger, and naturally he is a- alone in the wilderness uh, by choice because he's trying to escape a past that he regrets. And he is being hunted secretly by um, Orlando Jones, who is upset with him because he allowed his brother to get killed in the war. What war? They don't specify? Afghanistan, I think. (laughs) Um, They don't specify. It's just like he was overseas. Um, He was sent in for a mission. And instead of just pulling him out, uh, they sacrificed him to save the rest of the team, uh, which he argues, you know, he would have wanted because he was a patriot and a soldier and he wouldn't want the team to die. But his brother can't, de- can't accept that. He's, he thinks that, uh, the ranger was just a coward and, uh, wasn't doing his job. Right. And then meanwhile, Jean-Claude Van Damme is this, uh, French Canadian villain who, uh, I guess there was a plane full of heroin that fell in the lake, <laughs> crashed in the lake. <laughs> And he needs the park ranger who has army training for deep sea diving to go into the lake and, uh, you know, get it out of the sunken plane for him. Um, and it's the dialogue is just awful in the movie. It's ridiculous. And it's not Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's because Jean-Claude is just, you know, the villain character. He's not the star. Yeah. Um, it's these other two guys and their story um, as they become not no longer f- uh, enemies, but friends and understanding <laughs> where each other's coming from. <laughs> um, and Jean-Claude Van Damme has a stunt double, 
clearly. Wow. Um, a lot of his fights are shot in the dark. Um, actually, the whole movie pretty much takes place at night. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of just really brightly lit forest scenes. Like, there's just a light shining across just the light of the forest. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty weak. Um, it sounds a lot like Into the Blue, but not as good. I did not see that. You should see Into the Blue. It's not I great. don't think so. Um, <laughs> uh, what, Jean-Claude Van Damme is actually pretty entertaining because he's like this vegan, uh, global warm, anti-global warming character. So he'll randomly kill somebody and then spout off some uh, progressive, <laughs> like, what was it? He's... Like there's this old man who is like there's two people who live on like the uh for the island the ranger and then this old man, and eventually they're like oh we gotta go to the old man's house because you know he can like we can uh, stay there and he probably has guns or something that can help us, and then the Jean Claude's tracking him so they go to the house uh do a firefight and then as Jean Claude walks up to like the door he sees like a basket of apples. He just picks one up and he says, hmm, organic. Like, how would he know? <laughs> he can taste pesticide. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then they murder awesome. the old man and whatnot. And the old man in that scene, like, early in the movie, he protests, like, I don't want to deal with any people. I'm, I'm, I'm an isolationist by choice, so stay away from me. And, of course, the park ranger brings all this attention to his place. <laughs> and instead of just you know getting upset, the old man actually tells them to bail and he'll sacrifice himself to save them. It's so stupid. <laughs> so d- is Jean-Claude Van Damme the star of this movie? No. I, I he doesn't really He's a side star character. Anything. I mean, he's entertaining, but mm-hmm. um he's not But it seems like he doesn't star in anything anymore. Is it cuz I I don't know. Like I'm waiting for Death Warrant 2. That's all I'm waiting <laughs> for. Uh, I'm waiting for Street Fighter 2. <laughs> Turbo edition? Yeah. Um then the next thing I saw was The Raid 2. Oh, sweet. Is it cool? I wouldn't say I like the story that much, but the action is insane. Sweet. And I'm amazed like no one died <laughs> or that I know of. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's Did incredible. Did you ever see the first one? No, I didn't mm-hmm. see the first one. Um, but I felt like from what I had heard, it didn't seem like I needed to see the first one. Yeah, I heard you don't see him for the stories. You see him for, like, the crazy action yeah. that you do. Yeah, and the action, like, the director is also the writer and the choreographer. So mm. it's, like, three intense jobs for, like, this movie. And, yeah, the story is not that great, but, or, like, it's it's not terribly interesting. It's more of, a, like, a uh, kind of a, hey, we'll, we'll throw a mole in there and you'll infiltrate, the, infiltrate them from the inside and, uh, you know, get actual evidence on all, like, the gangland crimes. But there's two scenes in particular. There's one that's this car chase where, like, a guy even gets clipped by, a, like, a truck that passes by. It's incredible. Mm. Um, and uh, there's this one villain who, who is, like, really, like, expertly trained. And he squares off against the hero in this kitchen, like, this restaurant kitchen. And it starts out, it's probably, like, a 10 to 15 minute long single fight. But it starts out very slow. It's just like it's in the trailer where that guy yeah. like inches like his foot. His close, feet. Yeah. yeah, it starts out so slow and just escalates and escalates like ever so slightly. That's sweet. So like by the seven minute mark, finally like the uh, expert bad guy busts out the. They're like these raptor claw shaped knives, 
and then by that time like uh they haven't drawn blood so much as just like punched each other through stuff and they never use like like once or twice like a frying pan will get thrown across the room but they never like resort to like you know jackie channel yeah. use mm-hmm. all the instrument like all the uh, surrounding objects but this guy so it gets to the knives and like there's a real sense of jeopardy like one slash could kill mm. either one of them yeah and then it just gets worse and worse like to where the hero doesn't get slashed so much but the villain like is taking a bunch of hits and it's just like so slowly just building and building and building to uh like this like these two warriors like really going at it it's in, like i was actually like digging my hands into my seat because like there's that real sense of jeopardy like who's gonna get it and like I, really believing that the hero could get offed yeah because like no one's safe that's cool yeah so definitely recommend seeing it for that's the action awesome. yeah and then like very early on there's this battle in the prison uh it's like raining out so there's like tons of mud in the in the, in the like wreck area and just some of this like there's like people being beaten with hammers and stuff and you just it just looks so convincingly realistic like people should be like seriously injured or dead <laughs> in this movie um yeah and then uh i saw two more things uh and they're very similar which is why i put them together there's this movie that was at the esquire that i missed for midnight's called miss 45 and it's actually a movie that came out in like 1981 but the draft house re-released it huh. under their label and it's about this woman who's basically a mute. Like, she's not... I think she chooses to not talk. Um, it's never really explained. Um, and she works as, like, a like an ironer for a fashion agency. Um, like, like, she just irons? Yeah, she just irons clothes. Like, that's her job. Wow. Um, and then uh, on her way home, she gets uh, attacked and raped by somebody. And then, like, ten minutes later, she goes home and finds out that someone is while that was happening, broke into her apartment and then he rapes her. So she, uh, is traumatized, understandably. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, she, well, after she's raped, she kills that guy who Ooh. did it to her in the apartment with her iron, just bashes him on the head with it. Awesome. And then like over the next few days, she becomes an iron wielding superhero. <laughs> no, she's, she's a 45 wielding superhero so after she mm. cuts him up oh, okay. slowly stores each part in her fridge uh and then each day she goes out and just dumps a bag of it randomly like in a trash can on the street or in an alley um and then she uh as she witnesses like other women being brutalized as you know she goes around the city she becomes a vigilante where she fucking kills pimps and uh, rightfully so or uh even just guys she is suspicious about, she offs them too. Um, and it's uh, pretty boring and uh, <laughs> not because <laughs> she doesn't talk. Yeah. It's very like it's all like her weird facial expressions and stuff. And um, she has like this landlady with a dog who's like this gypsy woman. Um, and then, like, there's all these, like, really creepy men in the movie. Yeah. Like, she and her girlfriends from the fashion agency are sitting around a table. And then there's this one sleazy guy who's a f- apparently a photographer just making out with this other chick. And that chick leaves. And then he just goes over the, her table and just starts macking on him. Uh, like, I like, I don't understand the mindset of guys like that. Yeah. It's, so I can understand where she's coming from. But um, she goes to, what was it? She goes to this park or something no she has this bar she starts talking to this guy and this guy 
actually seems pretty nice and he's talking about how his wife left him or cheated on him and left him and they go to the to this uh park and he starts talking about like how he dealt with it and he ends up confessing that he strangled their cat like out of anger to take it out on his wife but he took it out on the cat and obviously this pisses this lady off so she pulls out her 45 and like points it at him and then it clicks so it misfires and then he's like what the you know you were gonna kill me and then he takes the gun and there's like this you know silence and he points it at himself and then blows his own brains out he's like what (laughs) he's like i'm gonna prove a point yeah (laughs) well he's talking about how he like how low he felt so i guess he wanted to die but there's stuff like that and then on her way back from that, she gets picked up by just some um, uh, Middle Eastern guy who just rides around a limo, in a limo picking up chicks, um, shoots his dick off, <laughs> <laughs> kills the driver, uh, and then she goes but to a Halloween funny, party. Like 21 Jump Street? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, it's this woman who's just killing men around the city that she finds. like Without ever talking. Yeah. And she, like, writes notes once in a while to exp- like to explain to other characters like how she because her boss is constantly saying like you know you've been you haven't been doing so great lately at your job and we really hope you come to the halloween party so you know so it seems like you're a part of this team um and then even though you can tell like she doesn't want to have anything to do with him uh she writes a note like i really want to go you know stuff like that and then she shoots his dick off (laughs) yeah nice no she shoots the punch bowl (laughs) <laughs> no, she actually that. shoots most everyone at the party, even a woman, I think. <laughs> so weird. Um, and then the last thing I saw was Under the Skin, oh. which is the Scarlett oh, Johansson no movie. She Very naked cool. in it. Yeah, I need to see it. <laughs> really, really naked. Not like like uh, brightly lit, but like oh, in shadow. But you can see uh, <laughs> lots nice. of parts. Nice. Yeah, I, get, I need to see this. Lots movie. of parts you shouldn't see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, not we shouldn't see. We should see, Brad. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. How's the movie? The movie is weird. Yeah, yeah. that's what um, I read about it. Obviously, it's not weird because it's uh, like there's a very distinct lack of dialogue or anything, but it's just like there's a lot of repetitiveness to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it basically boils down like there's obviously some deeper meaning going on behind it that I can't figure out. Um it's so funny. Everything you've just said is every review I've read about that movie. <laughs> yeah. Like where people say it looks really cool and it's... Yeah, visually it, it's amazing. But um, it's fucking weird and they don't get it. Yeah. Um, I, I understand it's like an observation on the human condition, but I don't know ex- specifically what they're trying to get. Cause <laughs> I'm not quite sure what they're observing. Much like the most of Ford, Miss 45, it's Scarlett Johansson going out, like riding around the neighborhood, picking up guys, and then bringing them back to her metaphorical spider web where she traps them and then absorbs them into whatever thing and she has this partner who like rides a motorcycle um they're obviously like aliens from another planet yeah like that's what i get from it and they're harvesting people but and so as she gets to know the people she traps better she starts to like get curious about the human condition Mm. so she eventually defects from their plan and just goes out on her own and just experiences these experiences these things, and then it just kind of ends <laughs> with. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I should spoil this. I would rather you didn't. Yeah, it's it's climactic, but it's like it feels like just out of nowhere. Like it's just as soon as soon as we're learning like where she's going um, as a character, it just that's it. <laughs> huh. Seems like so. a movie my wife would like. 
I don't know. It's yeah, maybe she likes those weird sex kind of movies. Yeah, the, 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 the thing is that like, there's not really sex in it. It's just like she gets naked because like it's part of her mission. Mm-hmm. Like um, early on, she, I guess there was one of these alien characters, and somehow it got killed. So the person who's her partner picks her up, brings her back, and then she trades places with it. Like, they might have manufactured Scarlett Johansson's character yeah. to replace her. And so she takes her clothes and everything. Um, and then the other big time she's naked is when she's on the lamb, And she just starts inspecting, like, what the human form really is. Hmm. Um, it's based on a book. Yeah. It's, yeah. I saw that in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I just was... I was just reading about it because it's there's a feature of Scarlett Johansson in one of my new Entertainment Weekly, and they talk about that in that trailer we saw Lucy about how th- they're starting. She wants to kind of do different things constantly. That's why she chose that one, and the mm-hmm. Lucy's like the superhuman, uh, yeah, something like that. Um, but it looks fascinating. It, where's it playing at? Because uh, it's at the Mayan at the and Mayan? the Highlands Ranch 2014. I know oh, Laura would okay. want to see it, so I'm trying to think of. Where to take her. Yeah, you got two choices. Cool. cool. And that's it for me. James? Is the show over? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Ooh, fight, um, fight, fight. I, w- ah, I don't know. I'm losing my list here. Um, so I'm going to fly through a couple of quick things here. Um, Justified ended this week. Well, actually, it ended last week, but I saw the finale this week. I, heard, that, um, I heard it's not a very good season. I actually I disagree. I think that they... Um, the stuff that they put Boyd through and, and sort of... Uh, the way his arc is going, um, this was a tough season for Boyd, mm. uh, and a lot of what what was going wrong r- right for him started to go wrong, and it um, sort of s- s- where they end with that character, and especially well where they end with Boyd and Raylan, like I think they're setting up for a really cool because like, next season's season. the last one, right? Yes, I mean I don't know that that is official yet. Um, we won't really know probably until they start doing the marketing if they start calling it the final season. But uh, the writers have said there are only six seasons. So unless the unless FX is like really decides to throw a shit ton of money at them, the next season will be the last one. Um, I I really enjoyed it. The only thing I don't like about the finale is they use like this weird modern version of the Harlan song that they usually use at the end of the season, and it was just like annoying more than it was <laughs> like it totally ruined the last scene. Uh, but that's not true. But it was like, come on, <laughs> why? You know. Um, but no, I, I I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the uh, I also saw um, I saw a couple of movies this week. Um, I finished the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trilogy. Watched Turtles in Time, um, which I think I might like the most out of the three <laughs> of them. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Like, I think that movie is the most. Like cohesive of the three, um, like the story is silly, um, but like I know what those characters are trying to do, and you know it it clips along fairly well, and you know a lot of the jokes are still really corny, but I forgive it for that because it was from the nineties. Like it, you know, the, what that movie you can't make a movie like that now. Um, like there's just that sense of humor is is. Um, very early 90s um but yeah it was all right uh overall like i i appreciate tmnt a lot now because like that movie really took those characters and said like okay these are gonna be 
they're going to be fun, but they're also going to be like deeper characters. And the action in that movie is really cool. Uh, where I think that the the original trilogy suffers from like being dudes like karate dudes in masks sometimes. Um, where where like action scenes will go on and you're just like, oh, all right, like this doesn't look like action. This looks like two dudes like hitting their swords against each other for a little <laughs> while until one of them falls over. Um, which really does happen in Turtles in Time. Like they're both sitting on <laughs> there's this scene at the beginning where they're both sitting on horseback, I believe. Uh, and they just sort of go up to each other and there's just like close-ups of their swords smacking against each other for a while. And you're like, this is not an, this is not how you fight with swords. I have never fought with a sword, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that you don't just like make X's over and over again. But anyway, um, it was all right. I, uh, I also watched Amelie, uh, this week, which is uh, one of those movies that there are plenty of people in my life that I've met when they find out I don't, I've never seen Amelie, they like want to tear my skin off uh, and take me into their... Brad's the biggest <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so I finally got... Like, I bought the Blu-ray and watched it. Uh, and that movie is adorable. Um, really, really cool. Um, I mean, it's it's entirely in French. So if you are completely unwilling to watch a movie that is in French, then that it's not like for you. That's a piece of shit already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the story of Emily is... I took French is... for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> And you could probably watch it without even, like... You've been to France. You could probably watch it without the subtitles on. Uh, I probably still need the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> is there um, an English dub for it? I don't think so. Hmm. Uh, at least I, I wouldn't watch that, but... I didn't yeah. even try. <laughs> yeah, like... Because um, I think part of, like, part of why you like that character is uh, some of the nuances of the way that, that Amelie behaves. Um, and you would probably lose some of that if the voice were different. But anyway, the, the story... Sorry, excuse me. The story of Amelie is um, she's this young girl... She, well, she grows up as, as this young girl in in France who, um, like, her parents are just sort of weird and very overly protective of her, and so she grows up to be sort of um, solitary. You know, she doesn't go out and meet people very much. Uh, and then one day, um, she finds this little tin in, in like buried in the wall in her bathroom, and she gets this wild hair where she decides, she, you know. She She's going to find out who put that tin there. Like, it's it's got, like, little boy's toys and, like, playing cards and stuff in it. Uh, so she knows, like, some little boy put it there 40 years ago, and she wants to go find him and give it back to him because she thinks that might be nice for that person. Um, and what that sort of mission leads her to do is start doing really nice things or or trying to do nice things without even being seen in the lives of the of the people around her in order to improve their lives. Um, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Along the way, she sort of gets obsessed with this one guy and kind of falls in love with him. Um, the The character is just adorable. The story is really heartwarming. Um, it's definitely one of those that, like, you you should really just check this movie out because it's really, it's fun. Um, yeah, it's got it's got some quirky stuff in it, and, and it's shot beautifully. Um, unfor- <laughs> one of the reasons that I don't think I saw it for a long time is it's... Um, What's his name? Jean-Pierre. Uh, anyway, he's the guy who did Alien Resurrection. Um, mm. Who that movie is? Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, that movie's directed like a two by four was holding up the camera the whole time. Like it's just horribly a horrible mistake. Um, but this is is really cool. Uh, there's like some surreal stuff in there, and and um, it's neat. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, I also, for the first time, saw all the all the President's Men this week. Um, there's a I got a, there's a really cool like book edition of that Blu-ray, 
that I picked up. And All the Presidents Men stars Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Uh, and they play these uh, two reporters for the Washington Post uh, back in the early 70s who, um, even though everybody else sort of believed that Watergate was like probably not that big of a deal, um, they aggressively pursued their leads. Um, Robert Redford plays the guy Woodward, I believe is his last name, who you know had this contact deep throat, and they sort yeah. of go <laughs> they they take you through the story of of how they the, all the work they had to do to build this case against them and and what was really against these guys to to pull this off. It's one of those movies where not a lot happens, but it's really like fascinating, totally, and, and really well acted. And you're like, oh, what's happening next? <laughs> exactly. There were a couple of times. It's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's a long movie, and nothing. Like there aren't, there are a couple of scenes where like later on in the movie he starts getting nervous and like he'll he'll start to run away and then and it'll build some tension and then all of a sudden you'll be like oh, okay you know maybe nothing's wrong or maybe something is but um, but there's not like yeah there's not action scenes or anything like that and and there's so much information that they are throwing at you as these guys are trying to figure out what really happened that it can be kind of difficult to even keep up with sometimes. And yet I was totally engrossed the yeah. whole time. Um, it's w- written by William Goldman, which is mm-hmm. probably why, um, because the dialogue is just gorgeous. Like listening to those guys talk and it's, it's hard to know um, without like having a script with you, how much of that is that script, you know, cause, cause it is very casual. The, the characters sort of talk over each other uh, a lot because they are all, um, they, they're on this mission to try and figure out this stuff so quickly. Um, but the way that they, they do it is so natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really, it's a it's a cool movie. It is um, definitely worth checking out. Um, also, very much of its time. I wish I could remember exactly when it was released, but um, I mean, it was sometime in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, this is not spoilers because, of course, it's for history. But <laughs> when you get close to the end, it just sort of ends. Like, yeah. it doesn't even necessarily end when they figured it out. It's like They've put all the pieces together. Now they just have to go do the stuff. So, well, all right. Have a nice day. Guess what? They, <laughs> guess what? They did it. And they move on. And you're like, whoa. Like, it, it kind of gives you whiplash. Um, but, uh, but yeah, really a cool film. Um, I also finished True Detective this week. Um, and, like, ran through it because I was just sort of, um, I don't know. I had a little bit more time this week. And so I picked up where I had sort of fallen off early on and it's only eight episodes anyway um and that show is like second half of that season was both cool but also kind of disappointing i'll be honest Mm. um because i I still think overall the story is really cool but um i ended up not where where they go with with uh woody harrelson's character i don't really like him very much so i i didn't really have a dog in the race as as much as i did early on where I was very interested in not just the mystery, but in who these guys are. And as I found out who they were, I was like, I don't really fucking care about these guys. Mm. Um, and then at the same time, you know, it starts off so gritty and trying to be very realistic and where it go, it ends up going in a more traditional cinematic place. Like once as you find start finding out like more about the murder mystery, um, I don't think it's too much. It, I don't think it's really spoiler to say like, yeah, in the end, there's this crazy dude who is very reminiscent of a Buffalo Bill kind of character who's just a serial killer. Um, and it was almost disappointing. Like, because uh, on, 
I don't know. I, I didn't feel like they were really saying anything with with the villain at all. Um, but uh, but it was a, it's a neat show, very thought provoking. Um, but uh, in the end, not something that I adore the way that I adore some of the other shows that I'm watching, um, like the pilot for Fargo, <laughs> which I was I was very hesitant about this back when they announced it. I was like, why why would you even do this? I I don't understand. Um, I started seeing the trailers and saying like, first time I saw um, Billy Bob Thornton's character, I was like, okay, this looks kind of cheesy. Like, you know, he's got these like bangs yeah. and stuff. And I was like, all right, you're trying way too hard. Um, but then as I started seeing some of the, the more recent trailers and seeing the behind the scenes stuff of what they were talking about doing with the show, uh, I started getting really interested. And I think this show's <laughs> impressive from a writing standpoint. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Fargo. Uh, and I know what I love about Fargo is that that juxtaposition between the this sort of innocent and this pure evil. You know, it's the reason why I love Frances McDormand is because she doesn't understand this evil person who has wandered into Fargo. Um, and this show takes sort of the 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 thematic framework of Fargo and places that onto a completely new story. Um, so they're playing with some of the same ideas, and you'll see some of the same elements, and even some of the same like photography work and things like that. Um, yeah, even some of the same like set designs. Uh, but the, compa- the characters are completely different. Um, basically, uh, Steve, um, Martin Freeman, like you know, Bilbo Baggins, uh, plays this guy in, in Fargo who... Actually, he's not in Fargo. He's in a little town with a weird name with a J in it that's hard to pronounce. Uh, but they're near Fargo. Um, and he he's like a... He was bullied a lot when he was a kid. There's even like this awkward mo- scene that, that where he runs into the guy who bullied him. And the guy still bullies him. Um, and he's just... Everybody in his life walks over him. Uh, his brother's a complete dick to him. His wife is the worst person. Um, but in this very like Minnesota nice kind of way where they're not directly being mean... But what's underneath what they're saying is just the most devilish, horrible things to say to people. You know, like she won't, at least early on, she won't directly tell him he's not a man, but she's doing everything she can to enforce in him the idea that, like, he is not a man at all and she doesn't respect him. Um, And so you just, like, you kind of feel for this guy. Um, And he runs into Billy Bob Thornton's character who who basically says he – the, the bully sort of beats him up on the street a little bit. Um, and he goes to the hospital, runs into Billy Bob Thornton's character, and Billy Bob Thornton's like, man, if, if somebody did that to me, you know, I, I would kill him. And there's this really cool kind of funny scene there where where Billy Bob Thornton's like serious. And he says, like, all you have to do is just say yes or no. And Martin Freeman's character just sort of leaves and doesn't say anything. Um, and just sort of out of the kindness of his heart, Billy Bob Thornton, this clearly psychotic person, just goes and kills that guy. Um, and that begins this series of bad events that start uh, that start a few murders um, that uh, are setting up a really cool little story that um, there's, it's, like I said, it's a lot of the same elements from Fargo where there's a there's a dumb guy who makes some dumb decisions and you know he's gonna have to pay the consequences for that there are these innocent cops who just aren't prepared to deal with these with this situation um and there's this billy bob thornton character who 
like I said, at first I thought like, okay, this is cheesy and dumb. Um, but he's a really fascinating character because he, he actually sort of embodies both of the villains from the movie where he is both dark and twisted and evil in a very pure way and kind of fun and likable. Like I found myself rooting for him through most of the episode and then all of a sudden he'd turn and he'd say these things and you'd realize like, no, this guy's fucking bad. Like I'm not supposed to root for him, but, but because he's going around and, and encouraging these people to sort of do the things that they really want to do, but feel like they can't in society, you kind of like him, you know, They're, like there's this, um, uh, dream fulfillment part of it where you're like, Oh yeah, this guy's, are you like gonna kill me. somebody? No, not me. But like for these characters, you know, you, don't you kind bully of... James. He'll <laughs> fucking kill you, right? Um, I I really think it's cool, and I think it's gorgeous. Opening opening shots look exactly like a Coen Brothers film. Um, it's just a really cool looking show, uh, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, I feel like I'm getting really dark. <laughs> like I'm watching True Detective, Fargo, Justified, and Hannibal. Like all I watch now are shows where people get murdered a lot, and it's fucking messed up. Brad's shitting his pants right next to you. <laughs> oh, a turd just rolled out of his pants. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, so that's what I watched this week. Ah, uh, cool. Finally, I get a talk. It's like an hour later. <laughs> Fuck you two. Um, I just I watched a few things. Uh, I rewatched Anchorman. I watched the unrated version. Yeah. Um, which it kind of seems watching him, Brad. You told me you watched them too. It seems like uh, the R-rated version that we saw the supersized one was like the first cut of the movie. Then they went back and they cut it to like the R-rated version, mm-hmm. and then they cut it down to a PG-13 movie. Because, but the so R- is the, is the unrated version like a different, like completely different from the no. from the second version you saw? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the, like the uh, the R rated version has different character beats and right. different scenes. That's the one that got re released. Yeah. So the, the, unrated the unrated version unrated is like is, the original, but with swearing in it. Yeah, but the, the but it's basically the same where the R rated because it's just different jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really like a third version of the movie. Yeah. Because they also wow. cut out this the song between Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig. Yeah, as much as the special features, like that whole, like they envis- originally envisioned Anchorman Two as a musical. What? <laughs> yeah. So that's why in the R-rated version, there's that you know, ten minute musical number about being gay, about being gay, and then something else like yeah, being on the news or something. Anyway, but yeah, that's completely gone from the PG thirteen because yeah, they re envisioned it as more of the. Um, you know, Ron Burgundy screws up, creates the modern news that we loathe today. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's still really funny, though. And, I mean, there's some little extra moments um, with James Marsden's character where he, he said, you change your name to Guy Fuck. Dick Fuck. Dick Fuck. Yeah. Is it Dick Fuck? <laughs> yeah. He's like, but P-H-U-C-K be really big at the Vietnamese people. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's just some... The movie's really funny, and it keeps. It's just a way to keep the movie fresh. So now I can go back and watch a PG thirteen one and see new jokes. Yeah. Um, and the R one, like Dobie's not really a no. Dobie's not a part of it. Um, Good. <laughs> it, but in the unrated one, there's an extended scene of his son where they're picking the name mm-hmm. for Dobie. Yeah. And um, what is his son's crackers? I think is his yeah. name the shark and. Ron Burgundy says, I just want to say right now, that's the stupidest fucking name I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and he's like, why don't we call him Dobie? And his son says, oh, that's great. That's like a bitch name to header. Yeah. It's, so, it's yeah. really funny. He's like, well, I, yeah, we can go on picking out names and you could like not be an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. 
And what's so funny, what I love about uh, the little kid in Anchorman 2 is you can tell he's just being fed lines because he's not a very good actor. Yeah. But for some reason, it works because... Yeah. Did you see that? Did you watch the screen t- read? Uh-uh. The script read? No. Yeah, so they've got like... Uh, Will Ferrell, uh, Christina Applegate, and uh, like Paul Rudd, like they're all lined up along this table and they're reading the script. Yeah. And then next to Christina Applegate is like the kid, and he's got like a coach with him, <laughs> who's like pointing things on the script for him. Yeah. Well, also too, I've noticed in each version when they go to the condom area, it's <laughs> different condoms mm-hmm. in each version. <laughs> it's really funny because um, the the funny one in the unrated is the condom that gets people pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's against everything that a condom's supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I rewatched Mall Rats on Blu-ray. I got that. Sweet. Um, How's the transfer? It's pretty good. Um, you know, it's funny going back and watching it and watching Clerks because um, Walt Flanagan plays like three parts in every one of his movies. Um, in Mall Rats, he's, you know, obviously the fanboy. He's also Mr. Svenning's like assistant that I never noticed before. Where he's like, get out of here, you're fired. He's like, okay. The guy <laughs> in the like, flannel. Yeah, yeah. The flannel, he walks off crying. Um, the, the one thing I'd noticed big time about it being on Blu-ray is it sounds way better. Mm. I can pick up different like dialogue bits better. Um, and I, w- I want to ask is the the Willem line when um, Shannon Doherty's character comes up to him where she says, oh, a sailboat. And he's like, Brenda? She's like, dick. I wonder if that's improvised and he just left the camera going. Or, um, because it seems really natural that she would react that way. And Is there a commentary on that? Uh, there is. But I don't know if it's a commentary from the old DVD or the 10th anniversary DVD. Mm. I, I've, I swear I've listened to it, but I don't remember. Because I, I think Kevin Smith does explain that. Does he? Yeah, I, don't, I just don't remember what the verdict was, if it was planned or not. And I will say, you know, everyone talks about their favorite Stan Lee cameo. In mine is uh, Spider-Man 3 where he says, you know, I guess one person can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, in Mallrats, he has such a great moment because the way he's written is he seems like he's kind of crazy. Yeah. Because um, he tells stories that don't make any sense. And uh, <laughs> But when he tells him, like, I love his Doctor Doom where he says he wears armor to protect himself. That was me, Brody. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's such a great moment. Now that you mentioned uh, Stanley, I remember listening to the commentary, and they're talking about how in that scene he's walking away from Brody, mm-hmm. and then he turns around to like deliver his last line or whatever. Um, and so before Brody like uh, like yells out to him, Stanley's like walking one way, like to the left, mm-hmm. and then he turns around and, he's, and he says whatever uh, line he says about like um, losing the girl, and then after he's done with that line, he completely just goes the other way. <laughs> <laughs> like walks off screen the other side <laughs> it's it's still a really clever movie yeah. um i mean i've seen it i don't know 15 20 times and i still laugh at it I, I i still think it's pretty funny um and what's the transfer what makes the transfer really good is when you see the plans for silent bob and jay because you can really see read what's uh, on them and it's pretty funny mm-hmm. um so i really enjoyed watching that uh, that movie's funny um I also got Psycho 2 and 3, and I remember watching Ooh. them a while ago. Um, and I remember that they were good, but they weren't anything really that great. Um, and watching them again, Psycho 2 is actually really good. Yeah. Except it loses it in the last five minutes. The uh. last five minutes kills the movie. But the movie is fascinating. Um, it opens in a courtroom um, with Vera Miles, who is she plays 
the sister of Marion Crane, and I forget her name. Um, but anyways, she it opens in a courtroom where Norman Bates is declared sane because it, you find out that he was found innocent of the murders because he was criminally insane. And if you've watched the end of Psycho, then you know that he is insane. Um, and Anthony Perkins comes back as Norman, and he seems normal. And uh, as soon as he gets in the house, everything's okay. And he gets a phone call, and he picks up the phone, and it's mother. And he's you know freaking out, and um, he's trying to get it out of his head. He's trying to explain to people that he's not crazy anymore. And he takes a job at a diner, and he thinks he sees this note. If you've seen the first Psycho, he sees notes from his mom, and it says, you know, get killed that I forget what it says, that tramp or something. Yeah. Uh, so when he's in the diner, he sees another note from her. And when he goes to looking for it, the note disappears. And so the movie walks this really cool line between, do you believe Norman that he's going crazy or someone really fucking with him throughout this movie? And um, as the movie plays, the question is never answered. It's just he picks up the phone and he has these people staying with him and he says, hi, mother, and when people pick up the phone, there's nobody there. And so people are worried that he's gone crazy and people are being murdered again. But they can't prove it's Norman because um, Norman's been with other people. It's it's a really fascinating movie, and then the last five minutes just ruin it. But mm. um, but it's a, it's a really fascinating movie, and Anthony Perkins is really good in it um, because to make you believe that maybe he is... Um, he is... He is crazy, but he's trying to fight being crazy is really fascinating to me because it, and you if you play it someone who's not at the caliber of actor as Tony Perkins, yeah, then it comes across really stupid, but for some reason, he's able to play it, and you almost sympathize for him because you're thinking to yourself, is this really is this uh really happening, or is is Norman Bates a killer and he was able to to fool everybody, you know what I mean? He was able to fool everybody to get out of prison. Now he's back in the hotel and he's killing people. Um, it, it's really cool. Um, and it's played really well. Psycho 3 picks up with the twist at the end of the second movie, which I think actually hurts the third movie. Mm -hmm. um, because and, and there's no mystery in the third one. Norman Bates is killing people again. Yeah. And he's crazy again. So the third one actually seems to me more of a Friday the 13th. Um and the second one's more like a psychological thriller because I think yeah. only three people die in the second one. And the third one, it's tons of people. Um, the third one has the distinction, though, of being directed by Anthony Perkins, so that's kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah, I had fun watching them. Um, and they're Scream Factory collector's editions, so they're, they have cool interviews. The second one actually doesn't have any new interviews, but it has old interviews with people on the set and the old trailers and TV spots, so it's kind of cool to see. Um, and I think I watched something else, but I don't remember what the fuck I watched. Um, oh, uh, the fourth Final Destination. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, really? Is yeah. that a Jeffrey I'm, Reddick I'm sanctioned one? Uh, it is not a Jeffrey Reddick sanctioned one. He's actually doesn't. I didn't even see credits uh, for him in it. I just. Uh, I think he was a line producer at the end, or he's given like character credits. Yeah, because uh, they they weren't mentioned at the in the opening credits. But you know. Yeah, I think he just has character credits at this point. Um, but yeah, that's why I watched this week. I bet it's time for real news. It's real news. It is. 
Um, not a whole lot this week. Um, so, have you guys heard about this thing where Spider-Man or where the X-Men are in that Spider-Man movie? Yeah. So, uh, this is interesting because when I first when they first announced that that one of the stingers on Spider-Man Two was going to be Amazing Spider-Man Two was going to be X-Men, I was like, "Oh God, this is desperate." And then I was like, "Wait a second, no, no, this is not because it's a crossover." So what they've explained is that um, Mark Webb, you know, after Five Hundred Days of Summer. He was in a contract with Fox to make another movie, and then, of course, had to break all of them so that Sony could make him do Spider-Man movies. Um, so that's why they're that they're doing this. It's still weird. Mm-hmm. I still feel like if I were if I didn't know that and I were in the audience, and all of a sudden they did that, I would feel like they were desperately trying to get like some kind of a crossover thing going and trying to build a Marvel Studios style universe. Um, it is. It is interesting. It's because. Uh, he made Spider-Man, and his next movie after Spider-Man was supposed to be a Fox movie. Right. And they said uh, they'd only let him do it if he came back and did a Fox movie. But I guess now it's, hey, just promote our X-Men movie. Yeah. And I guess I, I was reading about it. I guess it's some scene with Mystique. Um, and I also read I don't think there's a zinger at the end of Spider-Man. I hmm. think I think it's the credits and then that. Because uh, I, I thought originally that they were supposed to like tease the spinoffs in the Stingers. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, don't I, I, I try to stay away. I'm just reading, yeah, like little blurbs of the reviews to see what people are saying about it. But um, I'm fascinated. Um, yeah, it's gonna be weird. It's weird. It is kind of weird. Yeah, it'd be cool uh, if like Andrew Garfield just showed up on the set of X Men. Yeah, just and, like, hanging out, or he rang the doorbell at Xavier School and says, "Oh, this isn't for me." And he announces, "He's <laughs> um, oh. not really a mutant." That would be good. Um, uh, so they're also talking about, there's some rumors out there about them making another Die Hard movie. And what's cool about this one, because the last Die Hard movie, I think, sucked, right? I think we all agreed oh, that that great. One was horrible. Um, they're, uh, they're talking about bringing back Samuel L. Jackson as Zeus, which I would totally enjoy, because that's still my favorite of the Die Hard movies. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think st- the first like one's it. still the best one. I, I think that, like, I think that the third one's the most fun for me. I'll say it that way. Like I think Simon the first says. one's yeah. I think the first one is the smartest as far as like um, John McClane being this character who you know has to put himself through ridiculous shit, and he feels very much like well, a normal person. Like the, the third one's the first time he starts going into superhero territory. Yeah, here's the one thing too, though. I think if you put Sam Jackson in it, though, what I would be excited about is now Bruce Willis kind of has to up his game again. Yes, because he's with somebody on screen who can eat him up on screen with his charisma. Right. So I, I hope that it would make him excited again, because that's the only thing that I really noticed with the fifth one is he just seemed like he didn't care. Yeah, he's just phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. And here's the thing with Willis. He's a good actor. I really think he is. I, I do, too. Um, yeah. But, you know. Was Simon Says a uh, Shane Black script? Yeah. 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 It was. It was. All right. Yeah. Just trying to clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, didn't remember. Yeah. Um, and then the very last thing is that uh, one of the directors from... He's a he's a VHS director, but VHS is directed by multiple guys, right? Because mm-hmm. it's an anthology. Okay. So one of the directors from that has been uh, slated to reboot Friday the 13th. Um, which, how many fucking times are they going to reboot that thing? Like, didn't they just do that? <laughs> they did in 2009, which is which is really weird that they're going to reboot it since it, that movie made the most of any Friday the 13th of all time. Yeah. Um, but he's the director, I forget his name, but he directed the first segment in the first VHS, which mm-hmm. is the one with the girl demon. Uh, his name's David Bruckner, but I don't know who that is. Um, I haven't seen VHS. I, I mean, it's... But he also directed another movie, too. Um, and it's fine. I... You know, the thing with uh, people with horror movies, and especially a franchise like that, is, you know, someone's going to get a shot. And as long as you make it cool, yeah, that's all you can really do. 
You didn't bring up the Hobbit news. Uh, it's still rumors. I, I don't know that that's official yet. Because uh, I, I, feel like I, it I might fucking be a video game. Yeah, um, please let oh, it be a video yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Need two more movies. <laughs> the only reason I, the only reason I would think that they might change the name. So, so okay. But I so, love the name of the last one. Yeah. So th- here's the thing. So the 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 rumor is that they're going to change the name of the third movie from There and Back Again to Into the Fire. Um, and the only reason I can see them doing that is so that they can put out a box edi- box edition of it that's called there and the Hobbit there and back again, mm-hmm. and that w- that way they could call the whole thing like one big movie. Okay. Um, that's the only reason I could think for them to do this because the other story, the other titles they've chosen are all pretty good titles that are also in line with the book, like Desolation of Smog they made up, but the first and last two are. From the book, yeah, they're chapters um, in the book. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, well, they're, they're the in back again is the subtitle. Yeah, um, and they're in back again is a really cool title. Yeah. Like, you know, I so, love that title. I yeah. really do. So the only reason I could think to do it is because you want to s- reserve that name for like a box edition of it. You know, um, which I'm kind of in favor of anyway because I think it would be really cool if they put out like a yeah. like a single disc. They could never do this, yeah. uh, but like a, a version where you just watch it straight through and maybe there's never credits. You know, um, that would be cool to me, but they're probably not going to. Um, I'm hoping it's just like a, I don't, a video game. Probably, yeah. Because as I, I read the the article, and it's the registering domain names doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I know. And that, I think a lot of times movie companies do that so people can't take those names. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, they register them so early that it's, yeah. It's probably, like you say, there's just some other thing they're I'm, throwing I'm out there. I guess we're going to see a trailer for that pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, before Godzilla. Um have we not actually? Yeah, no, we haven't seen one yet. Because uh, I, I think they're pretty much done. They gotta be. Oh yeah, I'm sure they are. At this point, yeah, because it was supposed to release in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, they just pushed it back for like pickups and stuff. I know they need to make room for uh, Jupiter ascending. Yeah, gosh, mm. oh man, that looks like a mess. It does. It looks like Cloud it could Atlas. be cool. It could be. It could be really cool, but it also looks completely up its own ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in that trailer. Maybe yeah, um, that's the thing with Cloud Atlas. I thought the trailers didn't do the movie justice very well. Yeah, it's not like I think Cloud Atlas was a great movie, but it wasn't that bad. No. Um, but I also just generally think that those guys are well. Those guys, whoa, <laughs> one's a chick now. That bro. the Wachowskis are a little bit up their own asses anyway. Um, so yeah, ever since the you know second Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, that's news. Awesome. This week, we saw Transcendence. Brad, should people go see Transcendence? Um, I feel really bad saying this because, like, technically it's proficient and interesting, but and I, I really enjoy the idea behind it. But I think the execution is really boring. <laughs> really boring. James. Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna get disagree. I I think it might be worth renting, especially if you're really into sci-fi. Like, again, there's some really cool ideas here, uh, and I like where they're going. I just, I don't really give a shit about the characters. So at the end of the day, um, it's not a movie I would ever watch again. Uh, yeah, I'm actually. I take both of what you just said and combine them into my feelings about the movie. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I I don't even. I don't think you should even see it. I I I did not like this movie at all. Um, here's a trailer for Transcendence. The path to building superintelligence requires us to unlock the most fundamental secrets of the universe. 
Intelligent machines will soon allow us to conquer our most intractable challenges. To develop new methods for the early detection of cancer. To build a better future for all of us. Simply put, to save lives. Once online, its analytical power will be greater than the collective intelligence of every person born in the history of the world. Professor? Independence from technology, Rift. They hit AI labs all over the country. They're determined to stop any attempt at what you call transcendence. We're looking at five weeks before the system shuts down. When I'm gone, keep moving forward. How long are you gone? We can upload his consciousness. We can save him. Not like this. If we missed anything, how will you know who you're dealing with? My mind has been set free. I'm gonna need to expand. I need more power. Get me online. This is no well. Shut it down. Shut it down. down. It's him. Where are you going? Everywhere. Your friends, they don't know the danger. If she connects to the internet, the first thing it'll do is copy it. And then there is no taking it down. The real will die. Whatever it is, building an army out there. What is this? It's evolution. This isn't evolution. It's an abomination. What the hell's happening? I'm able to fix them. This has gone too far. We'll stop it. I don't understand. This is the future. This is not our future. Evelyn! You're not here with me. You've changed. Have you fallen out of love with me? No. Have you? If we don't stop him, it will be the end of mankind as we know it. Here's the thing about this movie is the characters aren't well developed, so you don't care about them. The movie is really fucking the, boring. The ideas are better developed than the characters Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I guess in case you didn't get from the, the trailer, I'll, I'll set up the movie. Johnny Depp is a brilliant doctor computer guy and he's trying <laughs> to make an artificial intelligence that is self-aware of itself yeah um you know like skynet so because the idea the the real the fear here and what's cool about the idea is that as soon as you have an artificial intelligence like that it is actually smart enough to improve itself and that 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 scales exponentially exactly um it's an interesting idea it yeah. really is but for someone so rebecca hall plays his wife who Johnny Depp is shot. What actually I did like about the the movie, but then I hated the resolution of it. Is it really made it look like he was shot and then he was uploaded or something? Yeah. Before, but actually he was poisoned with a bullet, which is more dumb. I thought I'm like, oh, maybe he got yeah. cancer or something. Is his last wish would to be put up in the um, computer internet? And did whatever. he go this home the same day he got shot? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a tough fucker. Um, <laughs> well, it only grazed him. They said that. They were like, oh, he's lucky. It only grazed him. I was like, wait a second. The trailer told me he died. In that garbage fucking awful trailer, Yeah. They, so yeah. they told me he got shot and died. Which is like, why go through the route of like the poisoning? Like, why not just right. poison him with a cake like everyone else? Or, <laughs> yeah. or just shoot him? Like, why yeah. tease us with one shot and then kill him slowly the it's, next? It's clearly a thing from the book that, you mm. know. And the thing too is, like I said, you just you don't care. Yeah. I mean, and 
for Rebecca Hall for being such a smart character that, you know, she designed all this stuff and helped with it, she's really that stupid where, um, here's, I hate when women are, characters are written to, just driven by their emotions. Yeah. That, that her husband's going to die and then, oh, that's really him. And every decision she makes is a horrible decision. Yeah. But you don't understand why she's making it because in your head, you're like four steps ahead of her and you don't mm-hmm. think you should be right. because she's some brilliant scientist and, um, and also, it seems like all these really cool character actors just owed people favors <laughs> and because they really have no characters that are fleshed out. Yeah. I mean, Killian Murphy's in it, and what does he do? Nothing. Yeah. Even Morgan Freeman's in it. Nothing. Yeah. Kate Mara was horrible. I mean, she's not... She, they, yeah. And I really like Kate Mara. Yeah. And she... Yeah. Um, Paul, Be- Paul Bettany's cool. He is. I liked Paul Bettany's character. Paul Bettany's character is probably the most interesting. It was it was a shame that he was not on that he basically gets cut out of the second act. Yeah. Um because mm-hmm. his like the uh he had from there. maybe the most yeah. interesting like character piece of the movie is when he's in jail uh, or when he's been captured and they're like trying to bring him around and this whole thing that like his philosophies about technology have caused this group to grow the way that it did, uh and yet he's helping you know, like that's the most interesting character dilemma in the whole movie. And I was hoping, like, this is me. I was like, oh, that'd be so cool if he was actually like the leader of this thing, and he was trying to stop them, but he was helping at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he was in love with dynamic. Yeah. With his wife, but it was hinted at, but it never really grew. I don't know. It was. Yeah. It was at one so point, Go the, ahead, Red. like they flashed the two years later mark. Mm-hmm. While I, while at first I was thinking. Is there not a manhunt for this like reputable doctor? Like, <laughs> yeah. It seems like they're just going after the the rift cell, and then it goes two years later. I'm like, so what's happening to Paul Bettany in two years? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is he just that's true in yeah. their prison? And then it shows up like, oh yeah, he eventually decided to join their gang. And here's the thing too: yeah. this is there's sometimes I hate when plots have holes like Swiss cheese. So these people find out that she's in this other town building this stuff how the fuck did they get that information uh technology apparently <laughs> there's just dudes with cameras like roving around the desert <laughs> yeah taking pictures for the rift <laughs> randomly that, that uh, one really annoyed me because the images they had of like the dude of like the superhuman you know nanotech dudes was the shot from the movie yeah and that it, pissed me <laughs> off and i used it a couple times and i was like dude really also <laughs> if the nanotechnology is like in the water and then filtering through like isn't everyone like, because we're what eighty percent water, seventy five percent water? Like we're almost instantaneously infected with the nanobots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as well, it I gets think that was the, the idea. Yeah, but I mean, like it, it floated around, and then they had a meeting where they said, like, if this gets right. further into the ecosystem, like the instant it goes in the air, it's in the ecosystem. Like the fact that it travels so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think what they were saying was that, like, at this point. It's already gone too far. The only way we can stop it is to like get a virus in there or whatever. Which a, it was disappointing that the way they stop it was a virus because this is clearly a movie that was supposed to be a a character driven kind of arc. Yeah. So the way they stopped it should have been somebody makes somebody convinces like you had this moment where if it really is will in the machine then his wife should be able to convince him to yeah. shut himself off and then that's the cool ending yeah. where she goes back and convinces him that he is sentient that he is self-aware and that being self-aware he needs to turn himself off yeah that's a cool ending to the movie but, instead it's like oh no we got to do a virus and then the scene there where like 
where Kate Mara holds the gun to Paul Bettany, right? All of a sudden, there's like this leap in logic, and I was completely confused because suddenly, like Johnny Depp knows yeah. that there's a vi- he's like, I can either save her or I can upload the virus, but I can't do both. And I was like, what does that fucking mean? And when did you learn there was a virus? Like all like. And she's yelling about, upload the virus. And, and and you're like, wait, he was going to do it anyway. Like, you're spoiling the plan. And I didn't understand. Wait, why was Kate Mara going to kill Paul Bettany? I think, I think like, the, the idea was, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't know what she was did fucking he, thinking. Did he inject himself with the virus, too? Is that what it was? Well, what no, I'm trying to say did. is, like, why even have Rebecca Hall go back to transfer? Because if the logic of, like, the nanotechnology is spreading through the water, like, right. everyone should be instantly... Like as fast as it spreads, everyone <laughs> yeah. as soon as it goes in the atmosphere, like yeah. that's it. Like it's it's there before they have their meeting, and yeah. so if they got to put it, like it should already be in Rebecca Hall, and so the nanotechnology should already be connected to everybody. Oh, I see. What you're except saying. for the ones like in the copper shield. So theoretically, all they have to do is inject her with the anyone. virus. They could put and it in, like they could put in Bettany. Do. They could put in in Morgan Freeman. Like <laughs> you're <right>. anyone. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it should uh. just. They could inject it into the soil. <laughs> it doesn't even have to go into her. Oh yeah, yeah. It, well, maybe it's got to be absorbed or whatever. I don't know through the blood. I don't know. It yeah. doesn't matter because it's just a lame <laughs> ending to the movie. Like there is, there are these cool ideas. I know it sets up like this actiony thing with like mortars and the military, and then it's just like bang, bang. <laughs> eh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up oh, cannon fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. That it was. It was too bad because I think early on I was really kind of interested in it. Um, yeah, they like they spent a lot of time talking about the singularity and the whole idea about yeah. transcendence, and that's like it's just a talking head thing. Yeah, like they just keep on and, and they don't really explore the idea. Bored. They just talk. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was bored. Even Johnny Depp was like, eh, "I'm in in this movie." It felt like, what do we do with this idea? Yeah, like where else do we take it? Like it's it's kind of an idea where you can't control anything, like because it's so. It's like a superhero with too many powers. It's like Superman, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's like mm. if it can do whatever, like it can do all these like Crazy grand things, things yeah. like, and you can't, it's so fast that you can't right. Which is why get any, ahead of it. It's like, what do you do? I'm sorry, Wally Fister. Oh, no, no, he didn't do the script. But any writer no, worth his salt knows that when you have a character like that, the only way to defeat that character is through a character, or to defeat that villain is through some kind of character-driven um resolution the movie like, looked great it does yeah yeah good job wally fister like it it's too bad that it had a lot of nolanisms <laughs> yeah especially the end yeah when it, like but ha- not done as well yeah like the <laughs> whole he supposed to direct this he, i think he might have and i think he kind of backed out i think he yeah. was yeah probably just like i don't know what to do with this idea <laughs> like, i don't know how to make this visually interesting i don't know or dramatically interesting i read a an article uh an interview with a screenwriter, and that guy is uh, writing Prometheus 2, who wrote that Transcendence, so oh, be ready for that. <laughs> I'd rather they just get David Spates to do it again. <laughs> or not David Spates. Um... Oh, yeah, Spates, yeah. Whoever did the first script. Oh, man, yeah. And so they steal a bunch of money? Or they play the she stock market? Steal. Yeah, yeah, she earns the money. Because he's, I never su- considered playing the stock market earning, but yeah. <laughs> well, but you know what I mean. Like she doesn't do it illegally, so they can't come after her for that. Like he's just super smart that he can read the stock market and like, you know, it's so convenient. Buy and sell things so quickly that yeah, um, yeah. like and no one questions it. Like two years go by and no one's like, 
wow, a lot of money has moved to this corporation. <laughs> like they have a really good track record. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nah. And they're building some kind of cult. Yeah, they bought a whole town and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's But we'll let it slide. Yeah. Well, will we? Cause, yeah. Yeah, eventually yeah. they figure it out, but <laughs> yeah. It's fuck. I don't know. That what was it thirty six million dollars on the first day or something? I think I would raise the flags. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. It is the most boring movie I've been in in a long time. I'm like, I just kept yeah. on waiting for something. Happen. Nothing happened, and I was a little distracted by that one chick who I think for a good hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised no one next to her said anything. Yeah. Like, she was far enough away. Everybody I next to her was it. asleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm uh, curious. What was she talking about that lasted that long? It must have been really important. Yeah. Not to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So next week, Brad, I don't know what the fuck we're going to see. James isn't going to be here. Yeah. I'm oh, someone's not going to be here, huh? I was thinking yeah. maybe Too the, good for the a show. 1984 like, movie at the Alamo. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's playing, but... Or Oculus. Or, or Oculus is like number three if you want, guys want to go see that. Wait, isn't Earth to Echo the movie next mm. week? Um, no, next week is Brick Mansions, The, the Other, other woman, woman, or some other shit. Uh, the The Quiet Ones? The Quiet Ones. Yeah. Or so you, we'll or, or you can go see Oculus. Uh, I'm going to be in New Orleans. All weekend? All week. All week? Okay. Can yeah. we do it Saturday? Uh, yeah, I don't give a shit. Because I think I have something I'm doing on Friday. Oh, now I have to postpone everything I do. I got to move my life around. We, this is a Saturday right now. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I think I took this next Saturday off. Yeah, I think it's cool. What's the next Saturday? The 20... Fuck. Whatever, yeah, sure. That Open sounds... screen has the 29th, so... That sounds, that sounds great. 28, 27, 26. Cool. Sure. We'll, f- we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll find something cool to watch. We're still playing Amadeus, yeah, Amadeus again because I missed that. Yeah, if we have four hours, sounds good. <laughs> Entertaining four hours. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Remember, get your tickets to Denver Comic Con. Bye. Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5 and download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover and also Spark Mandrill for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.